podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 2, Napoli 0 in the Champions League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Jim Boardman. We're all back again, lads, and Dave, um, it's it was a, a bit of a strange uh, thing to have to endure. I'm, I'm sure we could all really have done without it, um, probably including the players, and yet it seems to have had... Quite a positive effect overall, what with the clean sheet and a couple of decisions going our way and some very, fairly promising signs from a couple of players where we were starting to look quizzically at them. Um, a lot of nice little things to take away from this evening. Yeah, I mean, the first nice thing to take away is that we weren't shit. And once you cannot be shit, you've got something to build from. I was surprised what a strong team Jürgen put out for tonight. But likewise, when I saw their team, I understood why he put such a strong team out because I thought they'd come with the group wrapped up as a pretty much certain of finishing top and just play, you know, a largely reserve team. But they didn't. They came fairly close to full strength. I think eight or nine of their best 11 probably out there. We probably had roughly the same as well. And obviously a couple of hours in the likes of Diaz and Keita are injured, which is why they didn't start. Robbo would be the only fit one, I would say, from our best 11 who didn't start tonight. Um, and and to be fair, like the first half was a lot of nothing. They had a few half chances. We had some half chances. It seemed like it was all built down that one side of the pitch. Kavicha for them, Salah for us, and it was going to be whichever them could win their individual battle would turn out to be the match winner. But, you know, we matched them through the through half time. That was fine. Then obviously they have the goal disallowed. And that kind of sparked us into life. From there, I actually thought we played not I wouldn't go as far as saying very well, but I think we played quite well for the last, what, 35 minutes or so. Yeah. And we looked like a team that had purpose. We looked like a team that had an idea of what they were meant to be doing. I think you nailed it when you said that there were certain players we'd been looking at a bit funny that needed big performances. And I would point out Trent, Virgil and Fabinho as the the kind of three main culprits in that. I thought all of them were good tonight. I thought Ibu Kanate, though, was just on a different level. I thought he was absolutely fantastic tonight Mm. because that fella he went up against, Usman, scored a hat-trick at the weekend. He's in the form of his life. He absolutely destroyed us in Naples a few months ago. He's sensational. Kavicha down their left wing is sensational. 
And with Ibu's help, Trent was largely able to keep him as quiet as it's possible to keep him. I, I just think the difference that fella makes to the team, because with him there, we can play a bit higher, be a bit more aggressive. That shrinks the amount of space that Fabinho's having to cover. So I thought Fabinho looked a lot more lively today. Uh, Thiago, as usual, looked good next to him. The front three was a little bit lopsided because Curtis isn't really a front three player. But again, some of the movement and interplay between them was quite good. So all in all, I think we have to be really happy. That's the first time Napoli have lost this season. They're yeah. unbeaten in Serie A. They're unbeaten in this competition. Like, I, I think we have to be really, really happy with that win. 2-0 probably flatters us a little bit, but we'll absolutely take it and move on. Um. Just on Curtis, I, I, I thought he was another one in that category um, where people were starting to say, well, what is it exactly that he brings? And credit to the kid tonight, I thought he did very, very well uh, in his in his efforts on and off the ball, um, primarily on. And something that struck me when you were speaking there that Ibu does to the team is that he frees Virgil up to do Virgil things. Um, which is lovely. So you can see him doing doing his cover and headers and sweeping around and keeping an eye on things and having that sort of um, I don't know. It, it's just, it, it, the athleticism of Ibu, his 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 speed uh, and his strength and his capacity bringing the ball forward was excellent as well. Yes. I mean, almost Joe Matip best Joe Matip like adventures through the middle yeah. of the park yeah. and all they could do was foul him because the one thing that well he has two things that Joel doesn't have. He's quicker than Joel, and he's much more physically imposing than Joel. Like, Joel is like a gazelle traveling with the ball, very graceful, but quite slight. Ibu is like a buffalo with the ball strapped to him, just barreling his way through, and people just bounce off him. Uh, Curtis is such a strange player. Like... I think if I was ever asked to go and watch every minute Curtis has played for us, I'd probably have to take to the bed afterwards because it would frustrate me so much. Mm. Because from a talent point of view, like technical level, very, very high. Decision-making, very, very low. But when he does things on instinct, when he plays it first time, when he allows that technical level and that talent to override his brain, you see a very different player. I need a couple of gorgeous moments in the first half. Like, you look at his ball retention, his dribbling, his first touch. They're all outstanding, as good as pretty much anyone in the squad. It's when he has too much time in the ball. He reminds me in that way of Henderson. Think back to 13-14, when Henderson would have that role on the right side of the midfield, and he'd get himself to the edge of the box, he'd turn, he'd receive the ball, and he'd flick it around the corner, he'd do a little back heel, a one-touch pass to Suarez, whatever it was. And it was all very instinctive and very like natural to him. Put Henderson a bit deeper with time on the ball, he starts to overthink things, and he plays it too safe. Curtis is exactly the same. And I think that's why a lot of people get frustrated with him. When he's got a little bit too much time on the ball, it's almost like he sees too many options and then gets stuck between the two that he wants to do. Whereas when he has no time, he has to react and his brain instinctively picks the right option. When he does things like that, and we saw some of them in the first half, I, I do th still think there's a player there. I just, as I've, I'm going to say this until I'm blue in the face, that lad just needs games and he won't get enough with us. 
He needs to go somewhere and be a regular starter getting 35 games a season and then coming back to us, a more finished version of himself. Because there's no doubting the talent and technical level are really high. It's just the decision-making, which comes from a lack of experience. Yep, and he does very much suit that more advanced role, specifically for those reasons you're talking about, because he has to act quickly and he has to move the ball quickly. And Jim, to bring you in on this as well, at the start, uh, you know, there are several things to enjoy and to be happy about on the back of that. And none more so maybe than the fact that we almost, uh, there's a couple of hundred metres in it, matched uh, Napoli in terms of running tonight, which considering how badly outdone we were in that particular metric of effort against Nottingham Forest, it is a relief to see things back on track. You add that to the fact that we played some very composed one-touch football, like kind of rondo stuff, uh, at several junctures in the game, whether it was on the edge of our own box, surrounded by Napoli players in the middle of the park or in a more advanced position. Um, obviously, it's almost always Thiago there. But again, Fab in those games, in, or in this game tonight, um, was able to be far more like himself of old um, and that's a wonderful thing um, I think people are too quick to just go write everything off including uh, the, the, the the remainder of the scene for individual players uh, in their sort of um, uh, excessive realism about what's possible in the league so that in and of itself the effort and the capacity to play Football in tight spaces, uh, these are things that I, I find myself being very reassured by, Jim, because it just reminds you that there is a team here. And I know we've had a couple of false dawns with that. But, you know, as players start coming back and we get out the far end of this uh, World Cup break, you'd like to think that maybe something can be resurrected from this season yet. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to be positive. You've got to, you've got to try and be positive and look... Look for the positives, and I don't think you have to look far tonight at all for them. It was, um, I mean, if I was going to be negative, I'd say, oh, here we are again, playing against one of the so-called bigger teams, and we find a performance like we did against City, for example. But I think that's a bit churlish, really, to start talking like that, because we reacted well to what happened at the weekend. Okay, we did last week as well. But, you know, this this felt somehow different. I mean, this this felt a much more assured performance from start to finish. Steve McManaman was trying to play the game down, that it was a bit of a, a dead rubber, but I don't think it was. I think the two lineups told you that, that both teams wanted to win this game. And although the chances of us winning 4-0 or whatever and going through as, as group leaders was, was, you know, not something to even sort of take seriously, it was highly unlikely. Coming, uh, winning the game and getting the points and that league table showing us with those points was was a big thing for us to do and it does take us into the next phase of the Champions League with a lot of positives to to go with, including even right at the end getting a couple of young players on who can you know just getting that little bit of a taste of Anfield that little bit of extra time on the ball. I know they're not they're not all you know they, they have played before kind of thing most of them, but. It's all adding to it. Having having the chance to just try one bit of an experiment, maybe having Curtis playing that role further forward and this promise there. I get, yes, he probably should go on loan after Christmas if we can afford to send him on loan if we've got enough fit players. But, you know, th th this was another one of these games that we keep getting as well where as soon as you've got one game, a couple of days in between, then there's another one. At least now as well, we've got a bit of a gap 
because we don't play till Sunday. So this is probably the longest gap we've had for a while. It's certainly the longest one we'll have until the World Cup. So it's it's good now we can make the most of it and go back in and just look at what we got right. And we got a lot right, you know, and we, we've talked a lot already, or you guys have already, about Canate and the difference he made. It's good to have him. That feeling just that little bit more settled at the back four, a bit more confident. And that word confident as well, That that is what jumped out at me tonight. Time and again this season, Liverpool have lacked confidence they've sort of forgotten how good they are at times and and those little passes in tight spaces in and around the box which I'm sure there's a guy stood in the main stand practically having a heart attack at the sight of it but I didn't feel that tonight I thought you know what we're doing well we're confident we've just you know a few short passes and now we're on the break and it was good to see reassuring you know, and yeah, can't count chickens yet we can't say we're back or anything like that but you know what we, we've got hope and you know that's what that's what we did tonight. We gave our fans hope, and gave ourselves the something to build on. Now with what's left of the season, there's just sort of well, not so much what's left of the season. What's left of this bit of the season before the World Cup? Let's let's go and try and win the rest of these games and and have that break to really come back and really see what we can do. Yeah, and what's left of the 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 tattered. Um... Uh, confidence of, of the side it's nice to see it being um, sort of bolstered a little bit uh, by a competent display like that this evening and, and you know at the end of the day all anyone will see is that it's a 2-0 win uh, actually uh, nearly half of, of what we would have needed to win the group which is actually bananas when you think about it mm. um, that that could have spun around in that way but Dave's right it probably it probably possibly flatters us a little bit I don't think the win does I'll be honest and Jim let me stay with you to talk about the way that Liverpool lined up this evening uh, going with that strong um, side that we spoke about with Ali um, Trent Ibu in alongside Virgil Simic as the far side uh, we went with Fabinho Thiago and Milner in midfield uh, Jones Salah Firmino uh, on our bench tonight, we had uh, Cuevin Kelleher's back. Adrian is there too, obviously. Gomez, Elliot, Ramsey, Robertson, Nunez, uh, Carvalho, Bajetic and Philipson. Quite a good chunk of those guys got some time on the pitch. And I'm sure you were as excited as I was by the fact that uh, it looks as if Calvin Ramsey is actually a real boy. Uh, and not some some Pinocchio creation. And I was really, really taken by his little cameo tonight when he came on. Carvalho was doing a couple of Carvalho bits. Bacetic is outrageously confident for his age. These are all nice things to be able to do. But to get Nunes on the pitch and get him his goal, uh, regardless of how it's attained, these are all good things. What did you make of that starting eleven? Because there was a lot of talk um, a couple of mentions already on this show and pre-game from lots of different commentators about how we look like we're taking it seriously with that 11 um, a lot of people would have thought for a comparative dead rubber uh, it would have been a lot weaker so were you disappointed dismayed not in the least bit taken aback encouraged how did you feel when you saw that lineup? I think I'd be, I would have been one of those people that if we'd have put a weaker side out and lost I'd have been thinking Oh, you know, why did we waste it? Why did we waste it? But no, I think I, I actually asked for us to experiment in this game and experiment in the League Cup game as well if we need to, you know, use these opportunities to see what we've got. And in the end, I didn't expect a side as strong as this, but there was that one experiment, if that's the right word, to put Curtis further forward. And 
you look at the bench and assuming that there weren't any plays just left out and rested when they could have been involved, there there isn't a, you know there aren't many changes you could have made to the team at least from that squad other than Nunez could have started, Robertson could have started, maybe Elliot could have started, but. After that, that is kind of looking like our current strongest team, at least for the Champions League, because I think Ox is missing from the Champions League squad, isn't he? So, and and we've not seen him play yet. So, this this was a strong side, and it looked like, you know, as much as I was saying I want us to experiment, maybe there's a side that says, you know what, if we can go out and and get something, and just at least, even if it's just a draw, we can go out and show these guys that are basically running away with every game of football they play. From the sounds of it, if we can sort of show ourselves to be at least on a par with them after those last couple of league games and so on, that it would be, you know, confidence building for us as fans, never mind the players. So in that sense, it worked. You know, we weren't just on a par with them. I think in the end we were slightly maybe better than them, but we certainly weren't worse than them. And you look at the stats, we were so close on all the stats throughout. And in the end, it was the scoreline that was different. I I mean, Milner, Milner starting a game in midfield, he's... I mean, as it, as it was, he only lasted half a game and he does put a shift in. And a lot of people have a go at him, but he does, he does put a shift and he does do his best. Um, but again, it kind of makes you feel like we are down to the bare bones because the only player who maybe would have come in in his place off the bench was, maybe was Elliot, you know. So you're thinking, this this is us down to the bare bones. So I don't know, it's it, it's it's the strongest team we could have brought and I'm glad we did put it out and... Um, Good to see Canate back, of course, as well. But again, um, where was where was Joe Gomez? Is he injured? Is he? I've not heard. So it's it's interesting. This 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 squad is struggling to to stay fit, and we've still got that issue. But once I saw the squad, I felt we would. Uh, as I've said for a long time now, I think anyone on the day, Liverpool can beat any team you put in front of us. We just need to be on our day, and you know. Lately, we haven't been, but th- this is just a reminder that we are one of the big boys in this competition. You know, you're right with the the, the bare bones thing is very interesting because obviously the captain wasn't involved in the match day squad at all, um, and, and I, Joe was on the bench. Sorry, I missed that. yeah, Gomez was on the bench, but 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 with Henderson missing, of course, yeah, it it really is that bare bones thing. And look, um, it, we don't need to relitigate the the entirety of the the the, the nonsense that has gone on around um, failure to strengthen. Hopefully that will be addressed. And um, something you mentioned there in terms of the stats, I think probably there's lots of them, but, you know, the possession was very even. I think we ended up just shading it in the end, I think 53%. The other one I always like, like to look at is the amount of attempts. We had 14 to their 10. We had six on target to their two. And I think when you, you add that together with the quality of the openings that we managed to carve out, I don't think the win is in any way um, undeserved, I have to say. And, mm. you know, to, 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 to bring it across to Napoli then with yourself, Dave, and, you know, if you want to mention the Reds do, by all means, um, the, the these weren't um, looking to just uh, get through it either. I mean, there are some changes. 
Um, there are a couple of a couple of people that you know, like Zelensky did did uh, damage to us before. Uh, they had the likes of Simeone and Raspadori and the bench. Lozano also came on. Mario Rui, who started quite a lot of games for them. Mm. Uh, Elmas came on. Zanoli came on. Um, then they also had the bench filled out by Gatanu, uh, Jesus, um, Sirigu, and Idasiak. But they began with merit and goal. De Lorenzo. Uh, you know, who just is like a, this sort of, uh, I don't know, almost like a photo fit Italian right back. Ostergaard, uh, Kim, who I was really impressed by, I have to say. Oliveira and Dombele, who we'll all be familiar with. Labotka, who's, you know, a little, little barrel in the middle of the park there, putting in a few uh, tackles and the like uh, and going over quite easily, like all of these lads do. Anguisa, obviously, we know Politano then as well. A I mean, we've spelt, spoken about already, and Kvaratskhelia as well. Um, not his, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is just exactly where I was going to go, go with this. He started off so well, but ended up not being his his his, his greatest showing. And it's the reason I say that is you can just see that he probably has the potential to be right at the, in the top tier of players in the world mm. and um it's going to be interesting to see whether he actually ever reaches that uh scale or ability. he's only 21 and he's like he's about what 17 18 games into his top you know top league career because prior to this he's only played in the Georgian league and the Russian Premier League so this is all new to him, and, and he's just taken to it as if it's the easiest thing in the world. But the thing with them is you look at, you know, we, we, there's been so much talk about recruitment with Liverpool, but that club had arguably the best transfer window I've ever seen anyone have in the summer. So they let Insigne, Golem, and Dries Mertens and David Ospina, four important players but four old players leave on freeze. They sold Fabian Ruiz and they sold Koulibaly because they thought they'd gotten everything they could get out of those two. They brought in, and Arcadius Millic had been on loan and that got turned into a, pro, into a permanent deal. They brought in roughly 70 million from those sales. They bought Oliveira, the left back who started tonight, for 9 million. He'd been there on loan last season. They bought Zambo, who'd been there on loan last season for 12 million. They bought Kivice for 8 million. They bought Ostergaard, the centre-back who started tonight next to uh, Kim, for for 4.5 million, I think it was, from Brighton. He'd been at Coventry, he'd been at Stoke and at Genoa on loan. They bought Kim for around 15 million. They bought in Sirigu, vastly experienced goalkeeper, on a free. They got Giovanni Simeone on a loan with an option to buy, no obligation, and he's done well this season. They got Endembele on a loan with no obligation to buy, but an option for, I think, €30 million, which is half what Spurs paid. And they got Raspadori on loan with an obligation to buy next summer. So they brought in eight players, seven of whom have played a lot this season, uh, Syracuse, anyone who hasn't, and made a significant profit. Even when you factor in the obligation on Raspadori and the option on Simeone, they made a profit this summer. And they're six points clear at the top of Serie And of, they're of Syria. unbeaten and strolling away with the league. They've strolled through this Champions League game. 
or this Champions League group. Like in tonight's game, you felt like they could go through the gears if they wanted, but you knew we also had more to give. It was almost like neither team wanted to overextend themselves and there was little flashes of what they could do and little flashes of what we could do. But I mean, with that Napoli team, you're looking at a team that's very well coached. I wouldn't be the biggest Spalletti fan, but I'd never deny he's a good coach. He sets I was just, gonna, team I was just gonna ask you about that. When you think about what that guy's done over the years, I mean, mm. he he's he's been to the forefront in uh top level football for quite a bit now. Uh successful times or semi successful times at Roman. You know, taking on Napoli, um who are the perennial sort of like just bridesmaids. A hundred percent. They had the Diego era and that was it. Yeah. Uh, that was it. They've won all their trophies around that time, apart from some cups, but they won all the big trophies they won. They won their one European uh, trophy uh, when Maradona was there. Two Serie A titles. I, I can remember when he was there. Um, and that was absolutely miraculous. And by the way, if you've never seen, I think we've mentioned this before, me and you, but if people have never seen the Ass of Capadia of of Diego Maradona, it focuses on his time with Napoli and it's Mm. one of the greatest documentaries I've seen. And like, I'm not blowing smoke up Asif's hole. I I know he does... Uh, we chat to each other occasionally on Twitter I I know he he follows what we do here but like realistically speaking it's one of the best sports documentaries you're going to see especially when he like when he's using so much old footage like and it is old footage that's the the best part of it and the way he tells that story is that is must watch for everybody 100%. Like, I could not recommend that enough. And you realise what a absolutely bananas, and it could only have been done by Diego Maradona, achievement it was mm. for them to win that. So you come, you bring it full, full circle back to what we're talking about here. And they have a right chance this year, Dave. They have a yeah. right chance to go and win that league because there's probably not a better team than them if they can keep that unit together. And what I like about the way tonight went for us, just to kind of start segueing into the details of the match, is that, like, you know what? To be fair, it was a timely reminder to everybody who might have been having a little sneer and a little snicker. I've noticed the excessively large amount of sneering and snickering that goes on because it's us uh, at, at Kloppo and at the players and at everybody else. Um, that we're not to be messed about with in this uh, competition. Uh, and uh, we can turn in a performance as good as anyone uh, when we're on it. And again, like I say, this competition remains our source of hope as mm. we go into the second half of the season. And look, I mean, we'll talk again about the individual. Just, just to finish up on them, the, the thing to note with that Napoli team is they've got great depth. Like you look at every position and they've got, good depth to come in like mm-hmm. Ramani is the other starting centre-back he didn't play tonight Ostergaard came in for him but he's back in which puts Ostergaard as a backup it's a very good backup to have they've got Mario Rui who came in at left back in midfield you've got Elmas Zielinski would normally start and Endembele wouldn't so Endembele and Elmas is really good depth to have there along with Diego Demey and in attack you've got Lozano you've got Simeone and you've got Raspadori. Like there's very few teams that can match their depth. I don't just think they're a threat to win Syria. I think they're a threat to do damage in the knockout phase of the Champions League because they remind me a lot of us 
from five years ago, that 17-18 upstart version of Liverpool who had a real confidence and swagger about themselves, and it, when, especially when we added Van Dijk, and we had that ability to go out and just run teams off the pitch. And obviously we followed that up the next year. I don't think they'll win it. But right now, I'm not sure there's a better team in Europe than them. They are playing some of the best football around. They've got real belief in themselves. And what I really like about them is how clever they are. Tonight during that game, I tweeted out, they're more intelligent than we are at managing a game. Because now, obviously, we win the game with two late goals. But watch that game up until the substitutions start getting made. Not the Milner one, because that was a freak injury, but the later substitutions. Every time we attack and they take the ball off us, we don't know what they're going to do. Because oftentimes, they'll spring a counter and we have to chase back. But sometimes what they do is, if we had a couple of minutes of pressure they'd win the ball back and almost fake like they were going to counter. And then one of their players would put their body between the ball and one of our lads and stop running and just let our lad run into him and fall over on the ground and win a free kick. And the referee started buying into that really early, really early and giving them free kicks galore. And that meant that they were able to just knock us out of any little bit of rhythm that we started to get going for big chunks of the game. Now, we figured it out as the game went on and got a bit smarter about it. But I I do think there's something with that team, there's something in the water with that team this year, where I'd I'd be surprised if they don't win Syria, as things stand. Six points clear, great squad, good manager, really well coached, a real belief in themselves, and the the spine is so impressive. The goalkeeper's good, the two centre-backs are good, there's a good midfield, and the attack is just is mind-blowing when it clicks. Didn't quite click tonight, but when it does, we saw what it does in Naples. I mean, it tore us apart. So, yeah, they're really good. And and I, I, I like I think we're good as we're... We know we're a really good team. We know we are. And I said a couple of weeks ago, the blueprint we showed against City, we can translate that into games in the Champions League. And we can go and win this competition. It'll take a bit of addition in January, but we can win this competition. <laughs> That is my profoundest hope, Dave. And and Jim, I'm going to do something a bit weird here, I think. I think I'm going to blitz through the entirety of the first half. I've got literally one page. (laughs) Yeah, I've got one page of pages notes here on the old old computer. So I'm just going to rip through it. And then I'm going to ask you to pick out whatever it is you want to talk about and give Dave a chance to do the same. Um, So... In the early goings, uh, what was encouraging for me was to see Thiago looking like Thiago. And then on four minutes, we, there was a really good move. Trent with a nice ball into Mo. His through ball to Curtis was beautiful. And uh, the kid sort of dinks a shot over the top from a very narrow angle. He's advancing towards goal, uh, towards the left-hand post, just wide of it. And he's got nothing to aim at, really. Um, maybe left footer maybe a natural striker might have done better with the execution of it but it's a good kind of move and we looked like we had the potential to open them up with some nice interlinking play another move again on seven minutes Simicus cross was caught by the keeper um Ibu Kanate may have gotten away with a little bit of a slice shove in the box on um Kravitzkeli on nine minutes uh 
one of the things I found hilarious uh, from this shower of like, I mean, we can talk all we like about this club and how they're doing and the history of them and all the rest. But we also have to acknowledge that their their fans and certainly an element of their fans are quite literally a terrible bunch of lads um, who like to stab people uh, in the buttocks as they pass in a strange and ancient and very, very upsetting uh, custom. Um, And they're not great fellas at all. And when you hear opposition fans chanting in English, which is not their natural language, obviously, fuck you, Liverpool, as they whistle all our possession play, let's just say it, it, it leaves you nicely nicely primed to dislike them and any of their messing from here on in. There was a decent move in 17 minutes, which ended with a, an in-swinging cross from Mo Salah. It was more of a cross shot. Nobody got anywhere near it. Half-decent move with a Milner cut back in 25. Again, nothing came from it. A chance after some good work um, by the Georgian uh, winger, uh, and then he pulls it back for Ndombele, who has an effort on 27 minutes. They're one of the half that was on target, saved by Ali. It wasn't a great shot, and the keeper did well, uh, but still, again, you know, uh, just comfortable enough for him. 28 minutes. Uh, Tiago has a shot from distance. Another great move, actually, which, uh, which uh, ended up with Tiago taking a pot from around the edge of the box, which is an, a nice angled shot. The keeper did well to save it. Curtis heads over on 29 minutes and should probably do better with the execution of that header after the most outrageous... And, like, I, I was watching a BT Sport for um, uh, full revelation of, of, of my source here. And they discussed it seven ways from Sunday, did uh, Ian Dark and, and Steve McManaman. And never once did they mention the outrageous half-volley back-flick pass yeah. from Bob Firmino. Uh, it was Bob Firmino pinnacle stuff. Uh, and he puts it on a plate with this outrageous back-flick uh, volley, half-volley um, pass to Curtis. And like I say, you should probably do better. Ibu picks up a yellow Late challenge on Labotka, uh, 36 minutes. Milner then goes down with a head injury. That may feed into what happens at the start of the second half, if we're being honest, on 39 minutes. And then there is a final attempt where Curtis plays a through ball to Mo. Mo is a great effort. Uh, saved, um, but he was offside. Now, on the whole, you couldn't much argue that nil nil is the least we deserve and i had that nice feeling jim of this is a competent display it was competent it was um it was i mean i think that at half time i thought there's not a lot happened it's not been the most exciting game for the whole first of the 45 minutes but there were just those moments those moments of excitement that from bobby where he's got his no look backwards volley that's his new his new thing maybe that was that was sublime and and he still does that doesn't he He still does these little moments of of of, uh, magic that that we just sort of all drool over which obviously bt sport maybe don't get to see on their monitors but it it was it it was just that that whole sort of way we were being so cohesive again and just just moving ourselves around the pitch so well and in both ways though as well we weren't sort of we weren't sort of leaving 
gate gaps open at the back because we were so you know so busy focusing on going forward and we were at the same time we weren't so worried about leaving holes at the back that we weren't getting anything meaningful done forward there were still some moments where the passes were a bit long and a bit just off 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 target but not many and this was um you know one of the things i started thinking in this half was that is this the same team that played the other day it was just that that step up and if you if you sort of reminded yourself who we were playing you could realize that you know this was never going to be even with liverpool at the best this was never going to be an easy game and we made it look far less uh uncomfortable than i imagined it could have been um as it, as you say there wasn't i mean the first half was was fairly quiet i think it, i think it was almost one of those games if it was on match of the day it would have been lineker saying we joined the action in the second half there wouldn't have been that much to show from the first half but there was enough um Milner's head bleeding. I do think, yeah, that could have played a part in his injury because I'm wondering whether he was um, was he concussed, and maybe that's something for another day. Do we do enough about players can, with head injuries? Can injuries, concrete you know? get concussed? I, well. <laughs> well, I was surprised to see concrete <laughs> bleeding, but uh, concussed is, now is a is it is thing. it the re- it could be the reinforced uh, steel out the middle had just gone a bit rusted or something? True, like, true. wasn't blood. Do you know? Um, yeah, Canate's booking though. I did, I couldn't work out why he got booked for that. It was but silly. It was, I was it, thought it was, it was almost be the like most... he booked him for the for the f- other people's fouls. He was like, right, enough yeah. is enough. I'm I'm making a statement here. Yeah, next but, foul gets a yellow, and there's some poor guy who's done nothing bad all night. Yeah. But it wasn't the most bizarre booking we'll see all night. Obviously, but we'll come no. to that. I'm sure. But um, considering he got that booking with what ten minutes of the first half left. And how well he played it all, you know, for the second half as well. That's that's another another positive to take out of tonight. There's so many little positives, I think, as well as the sort of bigger ones from tonight as well. And that's what that's what's reassuring. After after you know the despair we've had so far this season, these little positives all add up to something bigger, I hope, at least. Dave, anything you want to say about that first half? Any particular incident you want to uh, zero in on, or do you want to just move swift, swiftly to second? The, the only thing point? I'd say is I think it's a little harsh to say Curtis should do better from the header because I don't think he expected the ball to come anywhere near him, and he had to react really quickly and jump sort of around and past a defender. I think he did well to just get power on it and direct it. Well, I know it went over, but. I, I, I don't think he could have done much better. He's not exactly someone we know for his heading prowess anyway. But just the, the thing that stuck to me in that first half was that the defence looked composed and they looked sure of themselves and they looked like a proper unit. That Virgil-Ebu partnership just looked monstrous, absolutely monstrous. And uh, I think it, it fed into the fullback, so I both thought had both had good games tonight. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy 
by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, the only thing I'd say to you, Dave, about your take there is that uh, backing me up is the monstrous football intellect that is Michael Owen, uh, who agreed with me that he should probably have done better. And uh, to be fair to to to, to little, little Mick, he was chatting about how, you know, it should have been probably header angle downwards but I totally take your point that you know what though just after that there was a thing with Jones where he just sort of kept hold of the ball when he was being mm. surrounded by defenders and got the ball you know kept hold of it got round the defenders and put a good ball through and that was like probably a minute after the the chance that it was that he'd missed and that to me again when we're talking about confidence that's the sort of thing that a confident player does you know they don't let themselves be down about something that's just happened and that again is another one of those little positives that we that I saw tonight. You, you can often take confidence from a miss, though, Jim. Like mm. he did really well to get on the end of that flick from Bobby, and I think yeah. just knowing that, like after having a, a chance, that's a chance that I've had in this big game. Now I can start to show a bit more. And, and you're right that the little moment he had, he drew three of them. His ball retention, how quickly he moved the ball. Like, for a fella who's got to be 6'1", like, Curtis is a tall boy, to just be able to manoeuvre the ball as quickly as he does, left foot, right foot, and get past them and put a dangerous ball in, I, I thought it was really, really good. Again, really instinctive, playing that's off. The, that's the exciting player ability. who joined. The exciting player who, who came into the team as a young... The guy who scored no. the goal against Everton a few years yeah. ago. That's that player. Absolutely. That 42nd minute through ball to Mo Salah where, uh, you know, you could possibly say he should have delivered a little bit earlier, but again, it's a little well, Mo, bit... Mo should have just held his run a bit more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you you know, uh, again, that's 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 a good pass. Mm. And on, a, on a different day, he's got an assist under his belt because Mo finishes. So, uh, credit to the kid um, for his first half display. And I found it personally tremendously tremendously encouraging after you know he was one of the ones who you know we're clearly going to need him uh, um because i have no faith that we're going to be getting all these uh magical uh reinforcements that an awful lot of people seem to be hope uh, so hopeful about and you know the better he's doing the better we are and just to start the second half with yourself then dave miller does go down within a minute uh and it's 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 after a challenge, but it's not a challenge that looks like it could have hurt him. He puts his foot in. Uh, I saw the studs and the heel stick in the turf for a second, but he didn't look like a fella who was carrying. Like when he when he went walking off, it was like a trudge, a heavy legged trudge. It wasn't a lad who was protecting anything to do with his leg. And this is why I know the guys who are doing the commentary. Uh, where I was watching it, were wondering if it was linked to what happened in that first half, because basically he looked immediately at the sideline and went, mm. yeah, no, this is not right. And I'm I'm wondering, is it just, was he seeing double or something like that? Because that, that's possibly would be an explanation for what seemed an entirely innocuous thing at the start of that second half. What, what was your take? Yeah, I, I couldn't make it out. I was wondering if, you know, had he had he twisted weirdly? and felt something go in his groin or in his, his abductor area. But like you said, I mean, he, he didn't seem to be limping too badly. He didn't, he just seemed to say to them, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I have to go off now. Like without really anyone coming on to, to check, he was telling them I need to come off now. So maybe that's exactly what it was, that it was linked 
to the incident in the first half. And as we know, there's there's a real reckoning coming in football on head injuries because there's been so much uproar in recent weeks over what's going on in the big incident at the moment or the big incident at the weekend, rather, with Emmy Martinez. I think post-World Cup, I think this is going to become a major topic. It it should have been a major topic five years ago. I think myself and Gags had Chris Nowinski on Anfield Index to discuss that he's one of the leading... I remember um, it well. It was a great interview. Yeah, do you know, like, and and that was when Lloris got knocked unconscious by Lukaku, and Lukaku was still at Everton back then. So that'll tell you how long ago that is. Like, th- this has been going on a long, long time now. Where they get, they get away with it though, because you don't see the long term effects until a long time later. Until a long time after, so. exactly. But because there's been so much talk now in the NFL. Um, there's been talk about head injuries in professional wrestling for years. There's been talk about head injuries in boxing for years. But now, especially with things like, you know, Jeff Astle um, having been diagnosed with dementia so young yeah. and others, and, you know, we're seeing it more and more in rugby now as well, where, you know, the the guy, Steve Thompson, that played hooker for England in the 2003 World Cup, who's only a couple of years older than me, who I played against, he now has dementia and doesn't remember playing in that World Cup in 2003. So there's it's becoming such a big talking point in sport now. And I think it's going to have to become a, a bigger talking point in football because like the worst person you can ask or are allowed to make a decision on whether or not they can stay on with a head injury is a footballer because they're never going to say, no, I can't play anymore, ever. Like we need independent doctors at every game to make those decisions. And it should be them, not the coaching staff, not the managers, not the team's medical staff, and certainly not the players who make that decision. And when Milner got the bang on the head in the first half, that should be an automatic concussion substitution while he goes through a set of tests. And then that doctor makes the change. And if he can't continue, the team who've had the player with the head injury gets basically a free substitution. So it doesn't count against their their quota of subs or anything. They're not getting punished for it. But the player's health has got to be put first. At some point, we have to start putting players' health first. A hundred percent. And and you can have all this faffing around about um referees having to immediately blow up and all the rest of it. But if you don't have the follow-through, if you don't have the 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 um experts on the sideline, then no. if you don't have the... You remember a few, a few years ago when there was a, a player got a head injury, they didn't have to go off after treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah and of course. Then that, that stopped, didn't on. it, for some reason. Um, and, but, you know, because they were trying to say that a head injury... There's no doubt about it. Where they're trying to make make out that for other injuries, players are just trying it on a bit. So if you make them have to go off, then they may not do the play acting quite so much and pretend they're injured. But one thing that I think might rule out concussion for, for Milner tonight was I'm sure he sat down as long as he could until he knew Harvey Elliott was fully ready to come on. So we weren't down to 10 men for a minute or two. I, I assumed that that was what Milner was doing, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. And I thought, oh, well, he's got some sort of a niggle here. And he's just absolutely... But then you saw... Tiago Neal in front of him, lads mm. looking very concerned. And, but, like, and he's, as someone he's, that's had a lot, I, I, I had a lot of concussions playing rugby. You, you'll often have to sit down because your equilibrium will go, and you will lose your sense of balance. And it's either sit down or fall over. 
Yeah, and lads were worried about him, Dave. You could tell. Yeah, ex- exactly. And like the thing is, we, we laugh about Milner, you know, the old man of the team, but Milner is a young man. He's a young man with a young family, and he doesn't want to spend his 50s and 60s and 70s in a horrible situation where he's got some post-concussion hangover, like whether it be Alzheimer's or CTE or something like that. That's the last thing anybody should want for any of these players, you know, that give us the joy that they do give us as footballers. Like they give us the, the thing that we dedicate far too much of our lives to. So we should be dem- we as fans should be demanding that their health is looked after because let's be honest most clubs have absolutely zero morals and don't care but they should care they should care about footballers and the likes of UEFA and FIFA and the FA and the Premier League and all that they all need to get in on this and come up with real so- solutions because it's becoming a near weekly thing now where there's a player has a head injury is allowed to play on. And again, like it could turn out that Milner has a groin pull. But the fact of the matter is he did suffer a head injury in the first half and was allowed to carry on after quite a brief check. Like it wasn't like the game was stopped for any prolonged period when that happened. No. Like if you, when you've got when you've got young kids, if they have a fall and they bang their head, you sort of advised about, you know, not letting them go to sleep and keeping mm. an eye on them and all this, that and the other, you know, keep them still, you know, all of these things and I find it mad that, you know... You certainly wouldn't let them continue to run around the garden. Exactly, yeah, you know, sitting down, wherever, you know, and that's that's the strange bit that I just don't get with football, that in this day and age with all the science, sports science and medical stuff that's come into the game, you know, we're not just throwing magic sponges onto players these days. There's a lot more going on now that we haven't yet come up with a solution for that. And I think it is just down to sort of old-fashionedness from the FA and FIFA and UEFA and all the old boys in these... Um, dusty corridors of football power who just hated the idea of having technology brought into the game and now would hate the idea of a sub going coming on but going off, you know, a player yeah. being substituted and coming back on. It would just be alien to them. Yet yeah, other sports do it. It's player welfare at the end of the day and I, I'm, I'll never, ever forget a formative moment in my early sporting years where... Um, a lad who was one of the nominated coaches for uh, our side of under-14 Gaelic footballers um, uttered the following when we were questioning the, frankly, bananas tactical decision that he had made. One or two lads said, are you sure? And he turned around to us and said, remember, under-14, tin pot, local league he said use our only the players and it just gave me a real insight <laughs> at that stage to really you know what what's going on here because because in his head he was some sort of fucking you know borderline uh, uh, uh genius who was who was instigating something that we just had to implement as his pawns remarkable stuff i want to acknowledge at this point that nigel early on did say about Curtis, that he does too much with the ball, doesn't seem to move forward fast enough, tries to do all the tricks and gets him into trouble, and he finds that frustrating. That was an observation I just wanted to read. I do have two questions, though, um, that I want to put one each to each of you real quick. We won't spend too long on them, but they have come in. First one's from Justin. Dave, I'll ask you this one. Uh, Nunez Chaos. 
Mm. Can that fire us through in the knockouts like Mo's goals did in 17-18? Can that have a similar impact in terms of a sort of a wild card uh, advantage for us as a side? I think it can. I think it it can be one of two big two big advantages that we have in the knockout phases. One is obviously Anfield. Anfield for knockout football in Europe is really really special. And our record at Anfield in knockout European football is really special, especially under this manager. <clears throat> but the Darwin factor is very, very interesting because he's there's just there's nobody like him. Like you look around Europe and you see certain players, and Kavicha tonight, he he's one of them that can be a real chaos bringer when everything's flowing. We saw it in Naples, but Darwin's just different. Like. He comes on tonight. I think he's on the field 17 minutes. And he sets up the first goal with the header. He almost sets up Mo for another one. Makes Kim, who I thought was very impressive tonight. He was. And has been very impressive all season. Like, one of those few centre-backs that you'd look at and think, geez, he'd fit with us when you think of Ibu and Virgil, those big monstrous centre-backs with that elite athleticism. Like, that guy was matching Mo in sprints tonight. And yet, Darwin came on, made him look flat-footed and burst past him, almost sets up Mo, and then obviously uh, scores, and also has time to get booked. And he seemed to get booked because Virgil ran into somebody, and the referee booked Darwin, who'd been kind of wrestling with the the fellow who'd fallen flat on his face. Um, I just think because he... I've said this to you before, Trev. There's moments you watch him play and you think, I wonder what he was trying there. And then you realize it's it's a waste of, of a thought exercise because he probably doesn't know at times what he's actually trying. <laughs> yeah. And, and if he doesn't know, how is anyone else meant to know? But our players seem to be finding more of a wavelength with him, you know, joining in the madness. I do think he can make a big impact in the knockout phases with his pace. He, he allows us to stretch the field. He gives us the over-the-top threat. He's got the physicality. He has a great nose for a goal, as we're seeing more and more often. Yeah, that's a, a perfect poacher's goal tonight. Tap in on the line, absolutely brilliant. And you can see the technical side is just starting to smooth out a little bit from, from where he was in the first couple of games where... Things were bouncing off him and he, the first touch was a bit of a trampoline and the second touch was a tackle. And now the first touch is more assured. He's more aware of his surroundings. He's picking the good option with his layoff passes. He's turning and he's gone. I, I do. I, I think he can have a big, big impact. And whether yeah. it's as a starter or off, or off the bench, he's going to hurt teams in those knockout phases for sure. He gives us something we haven't had previously. That, that little VAR call as well, what it does is it takes away one little bit more, if 5% more of the bull in the China shop version mm. of Darwin and allows him to feel a bit more composed because he's comp- he's contributing that bit more and it's ex- it's exciting. Um, Jim, your question from Dell, I'm going to save till the end of this uh, the second half, which is who is it that you want um, in the next round, given who we know so far we can um, be up against? Uh, he says excluding Porto, which 
uh, that's I, cheating. How can you say that? Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna because they're the answer. obvious. I think, I think it's because yeah, they're yeah. the obvious answer. So it's it's because mm-hmm. they're the obvious. Yeah, but one of the one of these years we we shouldn't really take that for granted. Is my point. No. Uh, but anyway, let's get back to the match itself, and we'll do a lot of of quick run through on this as well because there's probably about three or f- maybe four big incidents we want to talk about. Um, Harvey has to come on from Milner after the chat we just had. 48 minutes, a ball came across to Kravitzgalia. He is on the right-hand side, pulls a shot badly wide of the near post. 51 minutes, Mo hits a half volley over the top. I think Bobby Firmino had an effort blocked in the build-up to that. And then we are theoretically a goal down gym where uh, Ostergaard heads home from uh, Kravitzgalia free kick on the left-hand side. It goes to VAR um, for an offside call and it goes for three minutes and uh, maybe three and a half minutes in total before it's eventually disallowed, which is obviously tremendous hilarity for us. And also, can I just say, it was my first time seeing this graphic. Uh, Maybe other people have seen it before, but I really do try to avoid football and that's as Liverpool these days. And that graphic where it showed like some lad who was moving from one dimension <laughs> into the next with his little head poking through a sort of it looked like a bug from a game from the 90s didn't it oh it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it did it. that's what you're going to see in the world cup tremendous I, I i i really did like it i'm i literally just before the game was watching event horizon and it really did remind me of exactly that it was like you know uh, that that science fiction idea of like putting your finger through some sort of portal. Anyway, <laughs> we saw in the in the uh, graphic uh, that it looked as if uh, the offside decision was the correct one um, because uh, uh, Ostergaard had poked his little uh, head through that portal and um, it was disallowed. Fifty nine minutes, Ali saves a poor volleyed effort from uh, Kravitzgalia. And I'm going to be honest with you here. This is a good chance. Um, it's close range. I think it's a Simeon who gets across uh, over to him. Uh, Trent is kind of a no man's land. He doesn't get to cut out the cross. He doesn't get to uh, Kravitzgalia quick enough. And the kid hits a left-footed volley, considering it's a strong foot, uh, into the ground, and Ali is there to save. 65 minutes, it's a pretty great move with Curtis uh, passing into Harvey Elliott, who ballooned it off target. It was a really bad miss, but I think he has to be exonerated a little bit because Mo was in his line of sight. They bring on Lozano for Politano. We bring on Darwin for Curtis. Uh, Trent picks up a yellow on 72 minutes, Jim. And we maybe just pause here for time wasting, apparently, for side footing the ball away. It's utter shite. I, I, I don't know what this ref was at for most of the game, but it wasn't really particularly uh, damaging stuff. It was just really, really weird. Straight after that, we saw Simeon on the ground. And for a unit, like you look at him beside Ibu Kanate. He's every bit as big as him. They're they're almost like lads with. They almost have the exact same uh, body. Uh, he's on the ground rolling, <laughs> rolling around like a complete fanny. I've got so many things that I want to talk about here, but they're the big ones in that first part. And I feel bad because I'm excluding you from talking about the two goals, but we'll let you wrap them up 
in your match wrap-up thoughts. But take us through that opening, what is that now, 75-odd minutes. Uh, so the opening half and a bit of that of that second half. What did you make of that? Well, let's see if I can do it quicker than the VAR took to decide that was was or wasn't a goal. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, the bit that made me laugh about that is you don't need the, the portal thing. You didn't need to call through to the future and have that, that photograph <laughs> for them. The, you know, the, they could have just sort of said... The two players, one of them was definitely off offside and you don't need to draw any lines to see that. And I think that other play was still interfering enough that unless, unless you know, in the olden days at least, the linesman would have had his flag straight up for that because he was he was distracting other defenders. It was, you know, it was, a, it was an unfair advantage caused by that. And I think, you know, you could have quite easily said that's offside. Let's not spend all this time. But still he did. And... It was strange, really, because you could see before the decision was made out, there was a shot of Van Dijk looking really gutted, you know, really, really gutted, like they've let themselves down. But they actually hadn't, had they? But it was tight. It was tight. And that that little spell, as you say, sort of rounds off with another moment, as you say, with Van Dijk, uh, sorry, with Trent, just sort of um, losing his man, maybe not really being caught in, not really, maybe just losing focus a little. But again, against a very good player, let's, let's, let's be honest. And again, that could have been a moment that, that went against us, but he didn't. And in between those two sort of big key moments in the game that, that maybe in another alternate universe somewhere in the future, they've got a different story about. They've um, we, we did well. I mean, that save from Ali, he was sort of straight at him, but he still needed to save it. And that's what, you know, time and again in a game that Liverpool win or maybe draw, you, you look back to a moment where Ali's just been that bit of a difference that's that's given us what we need. And he was there today just for that. But in, on the whole, there wasn't much else for him to do in the game. That was probably his most difficult moment that, that springs to mind for me. Um, yeah, I mean, just just that referee was poor. Um, I don't know what it is. We we were so poor ourselves at the weekend that we hardly even got to mention Michael Oliver. Like, we, we outpoured Michael Oliver at the weekend. But tonight, that referee, he was just one of those typical sort of UEFA referees that you get that just sort of he's read the real books inside out and when he's not refereeing he's been a traffic warden the sort of traffic warden I once saw near Anfield who was literally measuring to see whether a car was close enough to the junction to be able to give them a ticket that's the kind of sort of referee we had tonight and luckily um, we didn't let that you know sort of affect us in a bad way that maybe we could have done in recent games we actually again took that as my god what are we up against here okay lads we've got another one against us and it works it does work and <laughs> they've like from that 75 minute mark Labotka has a team effort in 75 79 is Simeon fired one miles wide from distance neither of those are efforts to be taken seriously on 80 minutes Mo toe pokes a kind of a volley at the keeper after Trent had broken into the box and has a couple of touches the ball sort of uh, works its way forward to Mo in the air and he makes an attempt to toe poke a volley past the keeper but it doesn't work. They bring on Elmas and Zielinski um, and on 84 minutes we are 1-0 up and I would exhort you all to have a look at the photograph that I just put into the uh, uh, chat here uh, on our Discord uh, thread because look at that lot. 
Look at that. <laughs> Look at that pair of lads. And we all know that the lad who's holding the little trophy there uh, and hiding behind his little jersey is in infinitely better shape than this guy who's in mm. better shape than any of us can ever hope to be in our lives. And I'm sorry, but what I see when I see that photograph of Darwin Nunes is I think the lad's fucking mental. And I think yeah. that's brilliant. I think he's, he he's might... Salah's Sal bodyguard. Yeah, I think he might be a bit fucking touched, as we say here in Ireland. <laughs> yeah. And I love, I love that, Dave. That's why I've been comparing him to Diego Costa. I think he might actually have a case where the cheese has slipped firmly off the cracker. I, I think he might just be nuts. And I, as I look at those two together, I'm seeing Griezmann and Costa, like Jim said, the great one and the bodyguard who who will get goals and cause chaos and do all those things. And if we're going to answer Justin's question properly, can Nunez's chaos fire us through? It can in conjunction with the other fella in that picture. If 100%. that other fella is anywhere close to his best, those two as a pair... Can win any trophy. Yeah, and when the other lunatic that plays on the left wing gets fit and is back after the World Cup. Oh, Jesus. Well, all of a sudden, everybody's in trouble. Because <laughs> if you don't think he's coming back with something to prove, you're mistaken. And remember yeah. as well, you're going to get a very pissed off Diogo Jota who arrives back having missed the World Cup. Yeah. So, and also, you've got Bobby playing for a new contract or a move to somewhere with a new contract. So that group, I think, will be on a real mission. As, as a unit and as individuals, I think they'll be on a real mission. Can we just highlight Darwin for one second? So that's three successive Champions League games he's scored in. Um, while we're just on the topic of him, three successive Champions League games he's scored in. Since he scored against Arsenal on the 9th of October, he scored five goals. And like he's only started, I think, four games, five games maybe. He started against Leeds, didn't he? Um, but he started left wing, so it doesn't really count. Like, the, the fella is is starting to really put the ball in the back of the net and do all the other stuff that we're all starting to really appreciate. We have a hell of a player on our hands here. Seven goals um, in about 750 minutes, including the Community me. Shield, is, is amazing. Just thinking, especially as well, if we've got a good defence like we had tonight and he's not yeah. going to spend as much time tracking back and doing their jobs for them. Exactly. And if they stay fit, stay focused and play like they did tonight, like they did against City, that is a pairing that can bring us an awful long way. Now, the two goals that actually win it for us come on 84 and like basically the, the goal was awarded in 99. I think it pretty much happened in 96 into the 97th mm. minute. Uh, so it's right at the death, regardless, seven minutes of, of injury time. I, 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 I have no idea. I mean, God bless this lad. I don't know where he came up with that. I know. Many the Milner, the Milner stoppage. Would he have was been there for a, a bit, but like, Jesus. big part of it. it the the yeah. first goal took three minutes, didn't it, for the VAR? So that, oh, that the was disallowed goal. That was the other half. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, yeah oh, I forgot about that was in this half. Okay, that makes all, all the sense then. Fair play. Can we just say, was anyone else really confused when they scored a goal from a set piece? Because I, I genuinely don't remember, and if anyone can give me an answer, I'd really appreciate when was the last time we conceded a goal from a set piece? Oh, like, since we signed, 
since we signed Virgil, we just don't concede goals from set pieces. Mm, that's a very good shout. I'm sure we have, Dave, but I can't think I, of one. We, we, of course, but there's no way we haven't considered one in like five years. But it, it just, I, I just don't remember. Now, maybe it was, I don't know, three weeks ago or something. I've completely <laughs> forgotten because this season yeah. has been horrible. But yeah. like, I, I was really shocked that we conceded from a set piece. It was like, he has to be offside. And as it turns out, he was. But it took them a long time to actually f- figure out how to make the machine work. Well, we'll take the fractions. And the, let's talk about the two goals, because apart from those two goals, in the interim, we did a mad substitution of three lads. Uh, for three lads, we brought on Ramsey and uh, Fabio and Bacetic. Uh They brought on uh, Raspadori and Simeone as well. Uh, there was some fantastic play on 88 minutes an outrageous move including Ramsey Elliot Moe and Fabio ended up stabbing it over the bar um I liked Fabinho's corner win on the 93rd minute there was a wild effort by Raspadori in 91 Darwin clattered into Almas on 94 minutes uh it was a corner and he was like they were both kind of throwing shapes at each other and you know pushing and shoving and eventually Darwin just it's a yellow card offence he doesn't get a yellow card oh he does get a yellow card and it's well and well and truly deserved he kind of basically just elbows him out of the way yeah but I I I think he actually it's Virgil that runs into him and flattens him like Darwin just kind of shoves him Virgil runs into him Uh, and the ref just kind of walks over and books Darwin because he was the one having a shoving match with him but but Darwin, if you look at it again, Dave, you see he gives him a kind of a close. He gives line. him a little Uruguayan clip around the year. Trevor, we've discussed this before. <laughs> myself and yourself went to schools where that was considered a friendly little bit of a hundred percent. But in, in the modern day game, you can't really forearm a lad in the head. Uh, so that that that, as far as I'm concerned, that was pretty much. Oh, there was a fantastic carry by Mo Salah on, on 95 minutes that led to a corner. Uh, and that brings us to the second goal. But those moments uh, are sandwiched by our two goals. And the first one is the one that puts us 1-0 up on 84, where Mo Salah pokes home from about a yard out. Uh, Darwin Nunes is the guy who gets the header from a Simicus cross, a corner, excuse me. Uh, and to be fair, you look at the, 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 the uh, replay and, like, it's nearly over the line from Darwin's effort. Like it, it's one of those things where you'd be just so gutted that it wasn't given to you. And in the old days, I think it would have been considered a goal, but it wasn't quite a hundred percent over the line. And then Mo forces it over with his toe poke from about a minute. Uh, sorry, from about a yard out. Uh, and then the second goal is, like I say, awarded on ni- on the ninety ninth minute. Probably scored on the ninety seventh or the very death. Uh, again, it's uh, that carry by Mo leads to a corner on 95 minutes. Virgil wins the corner, which is taken in the 96th. Uh, his effort, again, seems to cross the line just like Darwin did. Darwin's did, but Darwin is the one that taps it in. Uh, it goes to a VAR check and another two minutes and it's awarded. Um, this is lovely, Jim. I mean, uh, I, I have literally no... Uh, qualms about saying that I think we fully deserve the win and if 2-0 is a little bit of a of of of, of an extra 
uh, column, uh, cr- uh, taking the credit column. I- I'll take that. I think we deserve it. Uh, if people want to harp on the fact that there was a goal disallowed, again, I'll take it. I think we deserve it. We have had shit luck all season, Jim. And so when something might go in your favor, and especially because you're doing the right things and you've been playing well, you take that and you just go, well, that's just fucking normal. That's just karma. That's just exactly, Jim, what we deserve. Yeah, and I think I've said in both the last two league games that Liverpool deserve to lose because they, and they played against teams that, you know, deserve the win because of our, the efforts they put in. And I think tonight the effort from Liverpool deserved a win and it was against such a tough team so it's not going to be a walkover but um, the, the way they kept their heads when there were setbacks like yellow cards and even that, that VAR goal could have sort of still played on the minds even though it, it was disallowed but we, we've we just kept it going and I loved the way both the goals were kind of determination goals you know the, there was an effort that, that didn't quite cross the line but there was somebody there making sure it did and in both cases they, they went in and, and, and that was the difference and, and that's the kind of you know that sort of attitude of sort of picking up the scraps and you know just looking for things just trying to create chances having a go at goal I think we spoke about it on a roll not that long ago that you know just just have a go at goal just see what you can do see if you can force a save see if you can cause a slip up from a defender and see if someone can just get in there and, and follow up on those mistakes and that's that kind of thing is what what happened with both the goals tonight in some ways that with that determination and determination is what we need now we need to be determined to win games we need to show the determination we've we've shown before, time and again. And and it's again I keep saying about little positives tonight. They're the little positives I keep seeing. Um I wondered as well for the their goal. I remember writing down at the time was really miffed that I don't think it was a free kick anyway that led to their goal. It was um but it was one of those moments where, where Fab just sort of got drawn into, you know, being close enough to one of their plays to fall over. I'm sure it wasn't really a free kick, but um yeah, it was just, it was just, again, um, the game could have been so different. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking that if that had been allowed and we'd have been looking back at that, we'd have been thinking, was it Fab's mistake? Was it dodgy refereeing? And it could have been the end of the world, but it wasn't. And I still think the way we played tonight and the attitude we showed that even if that goal had stood, we'd have still come back and fought. And then the, the, other, the other thing I really loved is when we made those late changes, we're a goal up and you think to yourself, well, you know what? We're winning here. Do we really want to sort of go ahead with that idea of bringing a load of young kids on at the end? Or should we just sort of stay with what we've got and just keep this at 1-0? And the exact opposite when they came on, because all of a sudden, it was as if we'd stepped up again. It was as if we'd brought on some, like, superstars. It was it was just that energy that they brought on at the end and, and, and the way that sort of fed into the rest of the team. And before, you know, we've made it 2-0. So, again, just so many positives from tonight, which I hope, hope, hope we can build on for the next game because we need to. Um, if we can beat Tottenham next weekend, then we've really sort of, um, you know, we've really made a nice step in our little league campaign. The league campaign is not as important now as the Champions League, but we still need to go out there and win games. We need to get the practice in because we're not playing in the Champions League now till February. You'd be right. It is It is important because top four is in no way guaranteed. Uh, in no way. And there's a huge effort that will be required from this lot, which they are capable of uh, to achieve that. When you look at where the, the points are now, there's a lot of games that we need to win while rivals lose. This is not easy. It will take the half season and we'll be lucky to get it. And people need to 
possibly wake up and smell the roses about that. There's nothing guaranteed about top four right now. Nothing. And it will take a great effort from these guys. Jim, I'm going to finish with you with your final thoughts in a minute. Dave, yours now, including any wrap-up thoughts in the second half? I, I greatly enjoyed the celebrations of both goals. Mo just turning, looking at the linesman and putting his hand in the air as if to say, I've just scored that. <laughs> get, get your flag up, lad. I've just scored. And uh, and Darwin looking absolutely thrilled with his goal. <laughs> I, like This is the, the madness. He, he, it was like a kid who'd you know won something at a school raffle. He just looked delighted with himself that he'd scored. Um, like Jim said, a, a lot of positives come out of tonight. Big performances from players who needed big performances, a vastly improved attitude and effort level and focus level from the team compared to the absolute horror show we saw at the weekend and in you know most of the league matches thus far. That is now five wins in a row in the Champions League, which is very nice. After the first, the first de- uh, defeat in Naples, we've won five in a row. So that's a, a big positive that we can take into the knockout phases. And like Jim said, I thought, I thought the three lads that came on, I mean, Basetic, you can tell he fancies himself a little bit. Like comes on the socks around the ankles. He's like, as if someone took Tiago and stretched him out. Didn't, <laughs> didn't have much of an opportunity to get on the ball, but, you know, made a couple of good tackles and his positioning, you can see is quite naturally good, which is always a good sign for a young player. I thought Carvalho looked busy lively good movement got himself in one great position just after coming on just after we score and probably should get a shot on target i think it's ellie it's either elliot or salah that feeds him and he's got a little bit of space i don't think he realizes he has as much time as he does and he sort of snatches at it and i thought ramsey did well he looked confident on the ball his touch was good played one lovely little back heel pass made a clever little run. Defensively, he dealt really well as the back postman on a cross from their right, our left. He let it come across his body and just made sure it went out of play. Um, Gave them a corner, but there was a man coming around on his shoulder. We've seen Trent not deal with those before. So little things like that are, are very, very positive. And he looks quick. He looks He looks big. I, I thought, you know, I, I knew he was 5'11", 6 foot, but he looks like a, a, a big enough unit, which is good. And as you said earlier, Trev, it's nice to see that he is actually a, a real human being and not just some sort of money laundering that we've taken part with, part in with uh, with Aberdeen. But yeah, I think I think all positives from tonight. Like, I can see Jim's point of, you know, maybe holding the win. But at the same time, I think Klopp had gotten from tonight what he wanted to get from tonight, which was a reaction from his players. And in particular, those three I mentioned earlier, Virgil, Fabinho and Trent, all of whom have been varying degrees of poor this season. And we'll be polite and say that. The only negative, obviously, is a potential injury to uh, to Milner. And if it is an injury, I this is a funny way of saying it. I hope it's a muscular injury and not a head injury because the muscle injury will heal. The head injury has has more connotations than that, but obviously he could recover quicker from a head injury. Um, but yeah, all, all things considered, a very good night and far better than the fucking shambles we saw at the weekend. 
Absolutely. Oh, and, yeah. and if I can just, if I can just, Trevor, I, I'm ashamed of myself that have allowed us to go over an hour on this podcast and not mention the real highlight and the real positive from tonight. And that is that Rangers are officially the worst team in Champions League history. And I think that is something we can all celebrate as a group. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, and just before we uh, state that again, uh, as I introduced Jim for his last thoughts, your stuff for the next few days will be what? Uh, so there'll be, there'll be Daily Red every day. Um, there'll be two-footed every day. Hopefully it'll be better than today where I, I, I just, I felt like it was probably the worst podcast I've ever done. And because it's just me, it can be hard at times. And today it just felt much harder than it should have. But tomorrow I can dedicate my entire two-footed podcast to Glasgow Rangers being the worst team in Champions League history. Glorious. And that fills me with joy. Uh, there'll be a scouted for um, there'll be a scouted for Spurs. And in good news, in good news, uh, Christian Romero ruled out, Dejan Kulisevsky ruled out, Richarlison ruled out. And Hyungmin Son looking very unlikely, having had to go off in Tottenham's game tonight with a head injury. So hopefully he recovers quickly, but just not in time for this Sunday. Because if they don't have any of them, they don't really threaten us. Kane is obviously great, but he can't do it all himself. And he's not the quickest player in the world. And Kulisevsky's son and Richarlison are the other three that they have for those forward positions. So... With those out and their best defender out, this could be a game for us to go and win. Gotta love that. And Jim, to bring you in to finish the show, then let's start with the question I put to you earlier on. Mm. With with what we know so far of who we have available as potential opponents, um, if not Porto, and I feel deeply uncomfortable with that, Dell. I'll be honest with you, pal. Uh, but it, 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 it was part of his question, so we'll include it. Who, if anyone, would you like to face in this uh, next round? And I'll be honest with you, Jim, the reason I'm, I'm asking it to you in that way is that I remember we had the potential to face Real Madrid or whoever, and I, I found myself saying... I don't give a shit if it's the last 16 or if it's the last eight or if it's the semi-finals or the, or the final. You're going to have to beat these teams anyway. Uh, and I kind of found myself leaning into the, well, let's just take on these fuckers, uh, whoever it happened to be. And they're obviously the stronger opponents for, I think, the last three years in a row but I fully get the other way of looking at it. I really do I'm not an idiot and obviously all I want is for Liverpool to win so before we get your wrap up thoughts on that specific question where, where are you landing looking at who we could get I mean there's still obviously games to play um, definitely don't want buy-in the way they're playing um, there's a remote chance of AC Milan maybe being opponents but I don't think that's likely Um remote chance of Dortmund being opponents but I doubt it because City look like they won that group I don't think that's going to change um, interestingly PSG and Benfica could go either way either of those could by the looks of it um, um, PSG have to play Juve which is a tougher game than Benfica against Maccabee so yeah and Juve are going to want to end with some kind of prime mm. 
restored, aren't they? I think so. It's it's looking at all those teams, but I think looking at the group with Real Madrid and Leipzig, has everyone forgotten about Leipzig? Could they win the group? I feel it's unlikely. And in all honesty, if if it does end up, I mean, I, I fancy a Group H game. Um, Paris Saint Germain or Benfica. I think as much as that might sound like a tough battle, they're all tough battles. You've got to beat all these teams. I said earlier on that I think on the day Liverpool can beat anybody. And if one of those games that you're playing against them is at Anfield and, you know, proper European night, that proper feeling at Anfield that maybe we've not really had this season much in, in the Champions League. You don't tend to get it much in the group stages anyway. But, you know, New Year, Wednesday night at Anfield, you know, the ground is bouncing. I think we could teach either of those teams a lesson because I'm I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that we're really, really on our game again by then. Yeah. So, yeah, either of those two. If I have to pick one, I'd probably pick PSG just because I'd love that scalp. Yeah, agreed, man. I have to say that's the one that excites me as well. Just that's, Their defence isn't good either. Like, they're not... Like, Troy's scored three goals against them at the weekend. Yeah. PSG have a brilliant front three, a hard-working midfield, and a defence that isn't really a defence. It's Marquinhos... A couple of wingers that got converted into fullbacks early in their careers, and a bunch of not very good centre backs. There's also the um, the idea of just beating the city that treated us so shitly yeah. a few months ago as well. That's another little uh, reason I'd that, like to be. That, there. That's, <laughs> that, that is the reason. That is the reason. That's right when when Lionel Messi is retired, and he's sitting in a rocking chair in Argentina at the age of 75 and he's telling his great grandkids about his career and how he was the greatest player that the world had ever seen. I want him to grimace, to grimace when he thinks of Anfield. I want his grandchildren running in to his, to uh, their granny and saying, granddad's cursing again because he's there going, fucking Liverpool. Granddad, what does corner taking quickly mean? (laughs) <laughs> and at that point he, as he moves through a portal to try and escape it <laughs> Jim finish us with your event horizon will you of uh, yeah. your final thoughts and anything you've got coming up for uh, folks to listen to over the next while yeah um, just final thoughts really just repeating what I said all through the tonight really just so many good positives from tonight that we really 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 have to build on we have to take those positives and we have to remind ourselves you know we are a good team we've got some good players we are a little bit down to the bare bones at the moment and that's not something that we can address right now anyway so we've got to go ahead with what we've got and do the best we can with what we've got and just just lovely seeing players starting to come back and come into their own hopefully you know the only injury from tonight is Milner and hopefully as Dave says it's not something horrendous it's something that he'll, he'll be back from without any long-term damage it's good we won we won in Europe we that's our competition the European Cup is our competition old big ears it's so much a part of our history and it's it's just so good that we're in that you know we, we'd already done the job to get into the next phase but you know what we ended on a high we're a bit of an unbeaten run in the competition as well which hopefully we can keep going for the rest of it as far as my stuff's concerned, well, Jay and I did a scout of Tommy's at the weekend. It's worth having a listen because we didn't just talk about about the um, our hopes of a new positive era, but we, yeah, we thought we'd do better against Leeds. But it's worth a listen. We don't just talk about Leeds. And 
Uh, first one with Tony Evans. We recorded that yesterday. That's just come out today, I believe. Um, Tony and I talking about the whole stuff about Scouts Not English, about why, it's, why, why are Hillsborough chants coming back again so strongly? Why do people think it's fun to sing things like Sign On, especially when maybe if they have a look around their own cities, they can see that it's not that great? And just general talk about Liverpool from a Liverpool perspective. So have a listen if you can, because hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that and maybe learn a couple of things, because Tony knows a lot of stuff. That's great. I'm delighted to hear that. That sounds interesting for everybody. Give those shows a listen that Jim mentioned and that Dave mentioned. Uh, follow whatever these guys do whenever they're putting it out because it's always worth your while. I've been Trev Downey. That was Jim Boardman and Dave Hendrick. This is Raw and myself and Harry and Dave will be back for the Spurs game at the weekend. We'll speak to you then. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.